The Story of Dr. Doolittle by Hugh Lofting Abridged by Taylor Seth Hall Part 5 The Barbary Pirates Sailing homeward, the doctor's ship had to pass the coast of Barbary. This coast is the seashore of the Great Desert. It is a wild, lonely place, all sand and stones, and it was here that the Barbary pirates lived. These pirates, a bad lot of men, used to wait for sailors to be shipwrecked on their shores, and often when they saw a boat passing, they would come out in their fast-sailing ships and chase it. When they caught a boat like this at sea, they would steal everything on it, and after they had taken the people off, they would sink the ship and sail back to Barbary, singing songs and feeling proud of the mischief they had done. Then they used to make the people they had caught write home to their friends for money. And if the friends sent no money, the pirates often threw the people into the sea. Now, one sunshiny day, the doctor and Dab-Dab were walking up and down on the ship for exercise. A nice, fresh wind was blowing the boat along, and everybody was happy. Presently, Dab-Dab saw the sail of another ship a long way behind them on the edge of the sea. It was a red sail. I don't like the look of that sail, said Dab-Dab. I have a feeling it isn't a friendly ship. I'm afraid there is more trouble coming to us. Jip, the dog, who was lying near taking a nap in the sun, began to growl and talk in his sleep. I smell roast beef cooking, he mumbled. Underdone roast beef with brown gravy over it. Good gracious, cried the doctor. What's the matter with the dog? Is he smelling in his sleep as well as talking? I suppose he is, said Dab-Dab. But what is he smelling? asked the doctor. There is no roast beef cooking on our ship. No, said Dab-Dab. The roast beef must be on that other ship over there. But that's ten miles away, said the doctor. He couldn't smell that far, surely. Oh, yes, he could, said Dab-Dab. You ask him. Then Jip, still fast asleep, began to growl again, and his lip curled up angrily, showing his clean, white teeth. I smell bad men, he growled. The worst men I ever smelt. I smell trouble. I smell a fight. Six bad scoundrels fighting against one brave man. I want to help him. <coughs> Then he barked loud and woke himself up with a surprised look on his face. See, cried Dab-Dab, that boat is nearer now. You can count its three big sails, all red. Whoever it is, they are coming after us. I wonder who they are. They are bad sailors, said Jip, and their ship is very swift. They are surely the pirates of Barbary. Well, we must put up more sails on our boat, said the doctor so we can go faster and get away from them. Run downstairs, Jip, and fetch me all the sails you see. The dog hurried downstairs and dragged up every sail he could find, but even when all these were put up on the masts to catch the wind, the boat did not go nearly as fast as the pirates, which kept coming on behind closer and closer. This is a poor ship the sailor gave us said Gub-Gub the pig, the slowest he could find, I should think. Look how near they are now. You can see the mustaches on the faces of the men, all six of them. What are we to do? 
Then the doctor told Dab-Dab to fly up and tell the swallows that the pirates were coming after them in a swift ship and ask what they should do about it. When the swallows heard this, they all came down onto the doctor's ship, and they told him to unravel some pieces of long rope and make them into a lot of thin strings as quickly as he could. Then the ends of these strings were tied on to the front of the ship, and the swallows took hold of the strings with their feet and flew off, pulling the boat along. And although swallows are not very strong when only one or two are by themselves, it is different when there are a great lot of them together. And there, tied to the doctor's ship, were a thousand strings, and two thousand swallows were pulling on each string, all incredibly swift flyers. And in a moment, the doctor found himself traveling so fast he had to hold his hat on with both hands, for he felt as though the ship itself were flying through waves that frothed and boiled with speed. And all the animals on the ship began to laugh and dance about in the rushing air, for when they looked back at the pirate's ship, they could see that it was growing smaller now instead of bigger. The red sails were being left far, far behind. Dragging a ship through the sea is hard work, and after two or three hours the swallows began to get tired in the wings and short of breath. Then they sent a message down to the doctor to say that they would have to take a rest soon, and that they would pull the boat over to an island not far off, and hide it in a deep bay till they had got breath enough to go on. And presently the doctor saw the island they had spoken of. It had a very beautiful high green mountain in the middle of it. When the ship had sailed safely into the bay where it could not be seen from the open sea, the doctor said he would get off onto the island to look for water, because there was none left to drink on his ship, and he told all the animals to get out too and romp on the grass to stretch their legs. Now as they were getting off, the doctor noticed a whole lot of rats were coming up from downstairs and leaving the ship as well. Jip started to run after them because chasing rats had always been his favorite game. But the doctor told him to stop, and one big black rat, who seemed to want to say something to the doctor, now crept forward timidly along the rail, watching the dog out of the corner of his eye, and after he had coughed nervously two or three times and cleaned his whiskers and wiped his mouth, he said, Ahem, uh, you know, of course, that all ships have rats in them, doctor, do you not? Yes. And you have heard that rats always leave a sinking ship? Yes, said the doctor, so I've been told. People always speak of it with a sneer, as though it were something disgraceful. But you can't blame us, can you? After all, who would stay on a sinking ship if he could get off it? It's very natural, said the doctor. Very natural, I quite understand. Was there, was there something else you wish to say? Yes, said the rat. I've come to tell you that we are leaving this one, but we wanted to warn you before we go. This is a bad ship you have here. It isn't safe. The sides aren't strong enough. Its boards are rotten. Before tomorrow night, it will sink to the bottom of the sea. But how do you know? asked the doctor. We always know, answered the rat. The tips of our tails get that tingly feeling, like when your foot's asleep. This morning at six o'clock, while I was getting breakfast, my tail suddenly began to tingle. At first I thought it was my rheumatism coming back, so I went and asked my aunt how she felt. You remember her, the long, speckled rat, rather skinny, who came to see you in Puddleby last spring with jaundice? Well, and she said her tail was tingling like everything. 
Then we knew for sure that this boat was going to sink in less than two days, and we all made up our minds to leave it as soon as we got near enough to any land. It's a bad ship, Doctor. Don't sail in it any more, or you'll be surely drowned. We are now going to look for a good place to live on this island. Goodbye. Goodbye, said the Doctor, and thank you very much for coming to tell me. Very considerate of you, very. Give my regards to your aunt. I remember her perfectly. Leave that rat alone, Jip. Come here. Lie down. So then the doctor and all his animals went off, carrying pails and saucepans to look for water on the island, while the swallows took their rest. I wonder what is the name of this island, said the doctor as he was climbing up the mountainside. It seems a very pleasant place. What a lot of birds there are. Why, these are the Canary Islands, said Dab-Dab. Don't you hear the canaries singing? The doctor stopped and listened. Why, to be sure, of course, he said. How stupid of me. I wonder if they can tell us where to find water. And presently the canaries, who had heard all about Dr. Doolittle from birds passing through, came and led him to a beautiful spring of cool, clear water, and they showed him lovely meadows where the bird seed grew and all the other sights of their island. And the Pushmapulia was glad they had come, because he liked the green grass so much better than the dried apples he had been eating on the ship, and Gub-Gub squeaked for joy when he found a whole valley full of wild sugar cane. A little later, when they had all had plenty to eat and drink, and were lying on their backs while the canaries sang for them, two of the swallows came hurrying up, very flustered and excited. Doctor, they cried. The pirates have come into the bay, and they've got onto your ship. They are downstairs looking for things to steal. They have left their own ship with nobody on it. If you hurry and come down to the shore, you can get onto their ship, which is very fast, and escape. But you'll have to hurry. That's a good idea, said the doctor. Splendid. And he called his animals together at once, said goodbye to the canaries, and ran down to the beach. When they reached the shore, they saw the pirate ship with the three red sails, and, just as the swallows had said, there was nobody on it. All the pirates were downstairs in the doctor's ship, looking for things to steal. So John Doolittle told his animals to walk very softly, and they all crept on to the pirate ship. Everything would have gone all right if the pig had not caught a cold in his head while eating the damp sugar cane on the island. This is what happened. After they had pulled up the anchor without a sound, and were moving the ship very, very carefully out of the bay, Gub-Gub suddenly sneezed so loud that the pirates on the other ship came rushing upstairs to see what the noise was. As soon as they saw that the doctor was escaping, they sailed the other boat right across the entrance to the bay so that the doctor could not get out into the open sea. Then the leader of these bad men, who called himself Ben-Ali the Dragon, shook his fist at the doctor and shouted across the water, Ha! Ha! You are caught, my fine friend. You are going to run off in my ship, eh? But you are not a good enough sailor to beat Ben-Ali the Barbary Dragon. I want that duck you've got, and the pig, too. We'll have pork chops and roast duck for supper tonight, and before I let you go home, you must make your friends send me a trunk full of gold. Poor Gub-Gub began to weep, and Dab-Dab made ready to fly to save herself. But the owl, Tutu, whispered to the doctor, Keep him talking, doctor. 
be pleasant to him. Our old ship is bound to sink soon. The rats said it would be at the bottom of the sea before tomorrow night, and the rats are never wrong. Be pleasant till the ship sinks under him. Keep him talking. But until tomorrow night, said the doctor, well, I'll do my best. Let me see, what shall I talk about? Oh, let them come on, said Jip. We can fight the dirty rascals. There are only six of them. Let them come on. I'd love to tell that collie next door when we get home that I had bitten a real pirate. Let him come. We can fight him. But they have pistols and swords, said the doctor. No, that would never do. I must talk to him. <clears throat> Look here, Ben Ali. But before the doctor could say any more, the pirates began to sail the ship nearer, laughing with glee and saying one to another, Who shall be the first to catch the pig? Poor Gub-Gub was dreadfully frightened, and the Pushmapulya began to sharpen his horns for a fight by rubbing them on the mast of the ship, while Jip kept springing into the air and barking and calling Ben Ali rude names in dog language. But presently something seemed to go wrong with the pirates. They stopped laughing and cracking jokes. They looked puzzled. Something was making them uneasy. Then Ben Ali, staring down at his feet, suddenly bellowed out, Thunder and lightning! Men! The boat's leaking! And the other pirates peered over the side, and they saw that the boat was indeed getting lower and lower into the water, and one of them said to Ben Ali, But surely if this old boat was sinking, we should see the rats leaving it. And Jip shouted across from the other ship, you great duffers! There's no rats there to leave you! They left two hours ago! Ha-ha <laughs> to you, my fine friends! But of course the men could not understand him. Soon the front end of the ship began to go down and down, faster and faster, till the boat looked almost as though it were standing on its head, and the pirates had to cling to the rails and the masts and the ropes and anything to keep from sliding off. Then the sea rushed roaring in through all the windows and the doors, and at last the ship plunged right down to the bottom of the sea, making a dreadful gurgling sound, and the six bad men were left bobbing about in the deep water of the bay. Some of them started to swim for the shores of the island, while others came and tried to get on to the boat where the doctor was. But Jip kept snapping at their noses, and they were afraid to climb up the side of the ship. Then suddenly they all cried out in great fear, The sharks! The sharks are coming! Let us get on to the ship before they eat us! Help! Help! The sharks! The sharks! And now the doctor could see all over the bay the backs of the big fishes swimming swiftly through the water. And one great shark came near to the ship, and poking his nose out of the water, he said to the doctor, Are you John Doolittle, the famous animal doctor? Yes, said Dr. Doolittle, that is my name. Well, said the shark, we know these pirates to be a bad lot, especially Ben Ali. If they are annoying you, we will gladly eat them up for you, and then you won't be troubled any more. Thank you, said the doctor. This is really most attentive, but I don't think it will be necessary to eat them. Don't let any of them reach the shore until I tell you. Just keep them swimming about, will you? And please make Ben Ali swim over here that I may talk to him. So the shark went off and chased Ben Ali over to the doctor. Listen, Ben Ali, said John Doolittle, leaning over the side. You have been a very bad man, 
and I understand that you have killed many people. These good sharks here have just offered to eat you up for me, and twould indeed be a good thing if the seas were rid of you. But if you will promise to do as I tell you, I will let you go in safety. What must I do? asked the pirate, looking down sideways at the big shark who was smelling his leg under the water. You must kill no more people, said the doctor. You must stop stealing. You must never sink another ship. You must give up being a pirate altogether. But what shall I do then? asked Ben Ali. How shall I live? You and all your men must go on to this island and be birdseed farmers, the doctor answered. You must grow birdseed for the canaries. The Barbary dragon turned pale with anger. Grow birdseed? he groaned in disgust. Can't I be a sailor? No, said the doctor, you cannot. You have been a sailor long enough, and sent many stout ships and good men to the bottom of the sea. For the rest of your life you must be a peaceful farmer. The shark is waiting. Do not waste any more of his time. Make up your mind. Thunder and lightning, Ben Ali muttered. Bird seed. Then he looked down into the water again and saw the great fish smelling his other leg. Very well, he said sadly. We'll be farmers. And remember, said the doctor, that if you do not keep your promise, if you start killing and stealing again, I shall hear of it, because the canaries will come and tell me, and be very sure that I will find a way to punish you, for though I may not be able to sail a ship as well as you, so long as the birds and the beasts and the fishes are my friends, I do not have to be afraid of a pirate chief, even though he may call himself the Dragon of Barbary. Now go, and be a good farmer, and live in peace. Then the doctor turned to the big shark, and waving his hand, he said, All right, let them swim safely to the land. Having thanked the sharks again for their kindness, the doctor and his pets set off once more on their journey home, in the swift ship with the three red sails. As they moved out into the open sea, the animals all went downstairs to see what their new boat was like inside, while the doctor leant on the rail at the back of the ship, watching the Canary Islands fade away in the blue dusk of the evening. While he was standing there, wondering how the monkeys were getting on and what his garden would look like when he got back to Puddleby, Dab-Dab came tumbling up the stairs, all smiles and full of news. Doctor, she cried, this ship of the pirates is simply beautiful, absolutely. The beds downstairs are made of primrose silk, and there are all sorts of good things to eat and drink. Oh, and we found a little room down there with the door locked, and we are all crazy to get in and see what's inside. Jip says it must be where the pirates keep their treasure, but we can't open the door. Come down and see if you can let us in. So the doctor went downstairs, and he saw that it was indeed a beautiful ship. He found the animals gathered round a little door, all talking at once, trying to guess what was inside. The doctor turned the handle, but it wouldn't open. Then they all started to hunt for the key. They looked under the mat, they looked under all the carpets, they looked in all the cupboards and drawers and lockers, and in the big chests in the ship's dining room, they looked everywhere. While they were doing this, they discovered a lot of new and wonderful things that the pirates have stolen from other ships. Cashmere shawls embroidered with flowers of gold, carved ivory boxes full of tea, 
an old violin with a string broken and a picture on the back, a set of big chess men, a walking stick which had a sword inside it when you pulled the handle, a lovely great sugar bowl made of mother-o'-pearl, but nowhere in the whole boat could they find a key to fit that lock. So they all came back to the door. While they were standing around, wondering what they should do, the owl, Tutu, suddenly said, Shh! Listen! I do believe there's someone in there. They all kept still a moment. Then the doctor said, You must be mistaken, Tutu. I don't hear anything. I'm sure of it, said the owl. Shh! There it is again. Don't you hear that? No, I do not, said the doctor. What kind of sound is it? I hear the noise of someone putting his hand in his pocket. But that hardly makes any sound at all, said the doctor. You couldn't hear that out here. Pardon me, but I can, said Tutu. I tell you there is someone on the other side of that door putting his hand in his pocket. Everything makes some noise if your ears are only sharp enough to catch it. Bats can hear a mole walking in his tunnel under the earth, and they think they're good hearers. But we owls can tell you, using only one ear, the color of a kitten from the way it winks in the dark. Well, well, said the doctor. You surprise me. That's very interesting. Listen again and tell me what he's doing now. Shh! Make that fidgety pig keep still. Now all hold your breath a moment so I can listen well. What I'm doing now is very difficult, and the pesky door is so thick. Shh! Everybody keep quite still. Shut your eyes and don't breathe. Tutu leaned down and listened again very hard and long. At last she looked up into the doctor's face and said, Whoever is in there is unhappy. He weeps. He has taken care not to blubber or sniffle, lest we should find out that he is crying. But I heard quite distinctly the sound of a tear falling down his sleeve. How do you know it wasn't a drop of water falling off the ceiling on him? asked Gub-Gub. Such ignorance! sniffed Tutu. A drop of water falling off the ceiling would have made ten times as much noise. Well, said the doctor, if the poor fellow's unhappy, we've got to get in and see what's the matter with him. Find me an axe, and I'll chop the door down. Right away, an axe was found, and the doctor soon chopped a hole in the door big enough to clamber through. At first, he could see nothing at all. It was so dark inside. So he struck a match. The room was quite small, no window, the ceiling low. And in the middle of the floor sat a little boy, about eight years old, crying bitterly. Next week on the Storytime Classics podcast, we conclude the story of Dr. Doolittle as he and his animal friends help the little boy find his lost uncle, and Jip proves to be the cleverest dog in the world.